What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, saying a few nice words, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast in the tops of the iTunes charts, which uh, will give it more national and international visibility and help strangers find the podcast and just give more exposure for the folks that come on the show. And, uh, yeah, just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing, a free way to do so. Can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough for the, uh, the visibility factor and appreciate the hell out of anyone that is already taking the time to do so. There's also a Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel that you can check out with live show performances as well as in-studio stuff and, uh... Yeah, all kinds of videos up there, bunch of different kinds of music. So that is there as well if you want to hit subscribe there, and then you will know when fresh videos hit the feed. DanCablePresents.com, the central location for everything. And if you want to follow me on the old social medias, you can do so at DanCablePresents on Instagram, where I'm most active trying to share things about upcoming episodes and uh, local shows here in Portland, Oregon, and things of that nature. We got episode 182 coming at you here. Oh, sleeper on the show. We're gonna get we're gonna get a little heavy with the music this week, and I'm I'm pretty pumped about it. We haven't really uh, dove in to any metalcore or or hardcore in uh, in any of the past episodes. So I'm pumped on that because this is definitely a style of music that was uh, heavily influential at a point in my life, and uh, probably specifically around the early 20s when uh, I was turned on to Under Oaths, They're Only Chasing Safety, which is a record that gets brought up on this episode, and um, Micah who is the singer for Oh Sleeper and and who I got to jump on the phone with for this conversation. Also mentioned Spencer, the uh, the vocalist for Under Oath in the episode. And uh, that was just one of those records, man, that just blew my mind open. And I had a lot of people around me, a lot of friends and, and friends of friends that, that were in hardcore bands in, in our early 20s and whatnot. So... This is definitely part of my world for a while, and and in Corona, California, where I grew up, we had the uh, the legendary Showcase Theater, which is uh, was was a uh, a big venue for the circuit of punk rock uh, for a long time, and then um, and and hardcore as well, 
but specifically the hardcore really kind of seemed to take over those last few years there and and i feel like almost all of the shows at one point were hardcore shows and uh saw so many cool bands roll through there and uh so yeah man i'm just i'm i'm pretty uh pretty jazzed about uh about kind of diving into this world and i hope that uh can get some other other bands in this genre to uh to come on the show as well but uh a really cool conversation i got to have with micah uh their first record when i'm god came out in 2007 and uh, I remember hearing Vices Like Vipers, which is the opening track to that record, a long time ago. So uh, a cool cool opportunity to get to jump on the line with this dude. And uh, we talked about how the band started and, and, uh, and also just the whole rebuilding of it after they took a pretty long hiatus and, and the importance of that break to... Uh, acknowledge how special this thing is to them and uh so we're gonna jump into that momentarily i do want to shout out one of one upcoming date that is going on at the library here in portland oregon in the basement of growlers tap room really cool show going on october 12th with uh super ocean who are former guests of the podcast and uh they will be playing with the fourth wall who I just recently saw the Doug Fur and put on a really cool show. And uh, also my friends in Trajectory, who are going to be releasing an EP that night. So that is October 12th at the library. And uh, I'm pumped for that show. And also, thank you so much for all of the, uh, the feedback for last week's episode. 181 was soft kill. That was definitely a monumental one. And... Uh, it's just uh, it's cool to see the random soft kill fans sharing that one up, and a couple people had really nice things to say, and everyone just seems to be as blown away as I was with uh, the candidness and and just the vulnerability of Tobias Grave in that conversation that we had. So I highly encourage you to uh, go back and listen to that one. Definitely. Um, a huge episode for me and super stoked on that and just feeling really grateful for the opportunity to to sit down with that dude for a couple hours and 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 talk with him extensively so uh stay tuned also soft kill here in portland october 31st halloween mississippi studios that's where i'm going that's going to be really dope with choir boy and uh yeah that that show is going to be really wild and uh hopefully i'll have tobias back on the show early next year when when soft kill puts out their new record but uh like i said stoked for this one 182 we got oh sleeper on the show they recently put out a new record called bloodied and unbowed and uh we we talk about that record and and uh how it came about and some of the themes behind it I will definitely put all of the links in the episode notes so you can follow O Sleeper. They've got a really cool catalog of music to dive into if you are new to the band. If you are an O Sleeper fan and you just turned into this, tuned into this podcast for the first time, thank you uh, again for checking out the show. And I would encourage you to go back and, and check out some previous episodes, the fresh episodes coming at you 
every Friday. Like I said, can't stress the importance of those iTunes reviews enough. Uh, big thanks to Micah for jumping on the line with me and, and talking no sleeper with me. I was uh, really stoked about the, the amount of time we got to talk and uh, looking forward to the next time that O Sleeper comes through Portland, Oregon. But uh, like I said, links will be in the episode notes so you can follow along with the band and find out when they are uh, going back out on tour. Until then, we are kicking things off with one of my favorite tracks off of the, uh, the new record, Unbloodied and Unbowed. And it is called Of Bane and Disease. We got episode 182, O Sleeper, out of Texas. Let's do the damn thing. Yeah, okay. 
Hey, Micah, what's happening, man? Hey, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for uh, uh, j- thanks for jumping on the line with me, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the the opportunity. How's it going? Not bad, dude. Um, stoked to uh, chat it up with you about the uh, the new O Sleeper record, Bloodied and Unbowed. I've been diving into it pretty heavy. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of of the the O Sleeper catalog of tunes. You know, going back to the When I Am God stuff. So, oh yeah, started diving back in. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. What are these songs? What's going on over here? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess like around, you know, a couple years before O Sleeper formed i got pretty heavy into bands like under oath and uh you know the kill switch and and other other bands in that that metalcore genre so um yeah absolutely man yeah can you take me back to like 2006 when uh when this band formed back in texas yeah man let's go um so 2006, the uh, the the reign of MySpace was going on, um, and uh, I was playing bass in a like a like I basically like like I I want to be used band. Okay. Um, and um, we and uh, I got. Um, I got an email or I got a message, a MySpace message from our drummer who was like, our drummer Ryan, who was like, Hey dude, um, you look cool. Do you play guitar? Cause I had, I had like a lot of MySpace friends back then. <laughs> <laughs> had some, some pretty important MySpace personalities, my top eight. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you were, you were making like, appearances in other people's top eight too. So you were just yeah. crushing it. <laughs> exactly and he was like hey dude you look cool do you play guitar and i was like no uh but i play i play bass and do backup vocals in the band i'm in he's like oh so you do vocals and i was like well i do backup vocals and he's like oh okay well what else do you do and i was like um I, i'm in uh i'm in college for uh for screenwriting and uh like um and stuff and he was like he's like oh so 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 you write like li- like lyrics and I was like, no, no, like movies, <laughs> and like movie scripts. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, what kind of music do you listen to? And I was like, man, uh, I'm, I'm just, I, I just pretty, pretty uh, exclusively listen to heavy music at, at the time. I think the only non-heavy things that I listened to was like Ryan Adams and Counting Crows. But I was telling, I was like, yeah, my my favorite bands right now are Every Time I Die, Scarlet. Deftones, Meshuga, Dillinger, and uh, he was like, "Oh man, I love all those bands." Uh, and he was like, "Well, he was like, I would love to start a band. I want to start a band that sounds like those bands." And I was like, "Oh my god, that would be my dream." Because I always wanted to take the band I was in in a heavier direction. They always were like, well, "No, you know, we gotta like no one's no one wants to hear like dark stuff and everything." And I was like, "Man, that's all I well, that's all I want to hear." And, uh, so at the time I had been writing lyrics for 
uh, I've been trying to write lyrics for the singer of of our band at the time, the band I was in at the time. And he was like, he was like, he wouldn't use them because he said they were too dark and that that they would like push people away. And he was like, no, this isn't, you know, no one wants to hear that. And I was like, dang. So he's talking to me and he's like, dude, have you ever thought about being the singer of a band? And I was like, uh, A, I'm a bass player of eight years. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yeah, but you can scream. And he was like, just, you should come hang out with us. And I was like, okay. And by the way, his MySpace was very impressive because he was signed to solid state under ter- with terminal and so the, like his friends were like he is legend in seosin and stuff and i was like oh my god and his his profile pic was really cool looking <laughs> and i was like i was like dude this is this is like some big stuff biggest thing i'd ever been close to yeah and he's like just come hang out with us man I, I think i think uh you'll like the guys and everything and so we met up at uh at a Whataburger. They 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 sent they, they were like, hey, we're going to Whataburger tonight. And it was an hour and twenty minutes away from me and they were meeting up there at uh at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> at a Whataburger, nice. <laughs> and I'd never met these guys. And so I talked to my parents. I'm living at my parents' house this time and I was like, uh so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go meet up with some guys that I met online. At Whataburger in Colleyville, <laughs> they were like, "Okay," and I'm like, "Like, yeah, I." Uh, they want to talk about starting a band, and they're all like, "Legit." They look like super legit, and um, and and so and, and then and then he had also name dropped that he was like, "Yeah, we've got our. Uh, it'll be me, our bassist, uh, Luke, and." Um, the guy that that we're that we're talking to about about playing guitar for this, because Ryan and Luke pretty much put it together, and I think they found Shane next, and then they uh, they they got Shane on board next, and they got me. Um, but he's uh, they're like like yeah, do you know that band Between the Barrier to Me? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> of course I know the band Between the Barrier to Me, and he was like, yeah, so he's been playing guitar with them. And, uh, and now he's back, he's now he's back home. And I was like, Oh my God, like I'm going to meet someone from between the barrier. Me, this is insane. Yeah. So, yeah. So I get there. So I draw, I do it. I'm, I'm like, all right, let's go. And so I show up, we sit down, we get food, we sit down and they're like, yeah. So tell us about you. And, and like, I just, it was around Christmas time. And, uh, I, I, I was like, really nervous so i was just kind of talking too much you know and uh i, I ended up being like like yeah so uh, they're like what you up to i was like well i uh i'm really into archery right now and so i got uh me and my friends all uh english longbows for uh for christmas <laughs> and i'm really excited about that they came in the other day and, and they're like and at that point like Shane like looks over at me and he's like, You like archery? And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, My uncle makes bows. And I was like, No way. And he was like, he was like, What's your favorite movie? And I was like, Right now I'd probably have to say Lord of the Rings. And he was like, That's my favorite movie. 
<laughs> I was like, it was kind of like the, one of those, did we just become best friends moments? Yeah. And, and he was like, he was like, dude, I've got a handmade recurve at my house. So my uncle made, you got to see it. And I was like, oh my God, I always wanted a recurve. And so we just like the, the four of us just kind of started hitting it off. And, um, and, uh, and it's like, it's getting later. And so Shane's like, Hey, my parents live like right down the street. Y'all want to go get in the hot tub? <laughs> and i'm like i didn't bring shorts but sure and so <laughs> next thing i know i'm sitting in a hot tub at uh, at like one at like 2 a.m in the morning with these like strangers i met off the internet who in my eyes at that time were like rock gods and uh we're just having the best time and we end up uh, I end up crashing over there and, or all of us do. And the next day we wake up and, and start jamming and uh, we're like, let's jam tomorrow. Like we'll just crash here and jam tomorrow. I was like, okay. So we jammed the next day. And that day is when I, when I like started writing the lyrics to, uh, to flagship. Hell yeah. Uh, which is the first song we ever wrote together. And, uh, and then fast forwarding, they never like then months months pass until we go in to record our first we, we're going to record um some demos we had been paid uh we got some attention after we put up uh to flagship and or no no yes yeah, so we go in to record to flagship we save us some money and we are the archers and that was when i went to record to flagship that was the first time they actually heard what I was doing because I was screaming through a bass amp <laughs> <laughs> that I had. <laughs> it's the only thing I had. And, uh, like with a crappy, like XLR to, uh, to, uh, three quarter inch adapter and, and the volume, I had no volume whatsoever. And so they didn't actually know what I sounded like that I had read them the lyrics I was writing. They loved that, but they didn't know what I sounded like. And I didn't really either. Uh, until we got in the studio and I did two flagship pretty much in, the, in, in, in one take. And I look over at the booth. I was so nervous and it's like dead silent. I can't hear anything in the booth, but everyone's like jumping up and down. Like, yeah, that's so cool. Hell yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that was, we pretty much, we got signed real quick after that, hopped on the road, did our first full U S tour with the human abstract, got signed to solid state, then went overseas with under oath and and then just kept going yeah I, I would imagine that was uh pretty validating for you after like recording that first track and seeing them kind of going nuts over it since they were yeah. all like kind of these these rock gods or like guys that were doing stuff that you wanted to be doing at that yeah, time and they had been around it you know and so not only were they fans of that kind of music they they were friends with the people with, with high level people in that in that area you know and of music and for them to like know those people be on tour with those people and then like what i was doing i was like oh my god this is crazy yeah man um when did you kind of figure out that you could do the screaming thing cuz i feel like uh people don't understand what what kind of like a craft that can be to to be well, able to pull it off properly and i really appreciate like your dynamic and range for it oh thanks so, yeah so what was like the process of like figuring that out 
Dude, I can remember my first time ever, and this was like back in my one of my first bands ever, um, band called Open Twenty Four Hours. How about that for a name? <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> That's killer. Uh, yeah, man, it was awesome. There were signs. We already had merch like everywhere. Anything that said "Open Twenty Four Hours" on, we're like, yeah, that's just, that's our band name. <laughs> so put that on stage. Um, and uh, we um, we basically uh, hold on. So yeah, I remember I was with the singer of that band, and uh, we were we were driving. We were listening to Stained because that was like. This was this was this was long before this was this was probably eight years or this was like six years before the last story I just told you. So yeah. six or seven years before that. And um So like super early two thousands, like mud shovel era of stained? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean I'm, I'm mud shovel is exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. And and like that dysfunction yeah. uh album, which was the scariest album art I've ever seen in my life. And, <laughs> And my parents, I was like, I had to hide it from my parents and stuff. And then uh, that song Spleen at the end where he's just like, shut up, shut up. Uh, well, I was just like, wow, this is insane. Uh, but I remember trying to scream to Stained for the first time and like being like, how does he do that? And then pretty much for the next like three years, like, well, whenever I got, uh, well, no, I had just gotten my car. So I'm probably about 16 at this time. And, 16 or 17 and uh, started driving uh, every time I drive, I would just like, I would just try, I would just try to try to. And then I got in another band and my guitarist and I were both talking about how cool screaming was. And this was under oath was out. And by the time I was in the blind side, still into every time I die. And blind side, uh, dude, I haven't, I haven't heard the name blind side in a while. <laughs> happy to, happy to hear that reference. Dude, go back and listen yeah, to some Blind Side. They were the best. I co-signed that that endorsement. <laughs> yeah, they had this. They had. Um, I think it was called "About a Burning Fire." Indeed. Uh, that song starts out. He's like, "I think I'm staying for the last time." Goodbye. Yeah, man. And I was like, I could kind of hear like how loud he was and stuff. And I was like, I was like, man, that like I think I could almost get that. And I remember almost getting that scream when he goes into it. And then one day I was having the same kind of epiphany on, uh, they're only chasing safety. Uh, the first song, I forget what it's called, but so let's not even try that. Yeah, one. yeah, absolutely. And my guitarist in the band that I was in at the time and I were driving and I was like, man, I want to be able to hit this so bad. And we were both trying for it. And one time, like, I just, I was, I did it. And then, then I was screaming and I was like, oh my God. And he started freaking out. He's like, dude, you did it. And I was like, whoa. And, uh, and so then I finally like felt what it, I could feel what it felt like. And I was like, I can, I can do this. Uh, and then from then on, it was just a, just like blind trial by error. Like just, you know, I went through, I, I'm sure I, I screamed wrong for the, the longest time. And I went through times where I would like cough up blood and stuff. And, and then like figuring out, just kind of figuring out what felt bad, what hurt, what didn't. And then finding a, a middle zone. Cause in my mind, I was like, I was like, well, there's no, 
I'm getting the opportunity to be in a, in a band with these legends. Like there's, there's no way I'm giving this up because it hurts and which is not the right mentality. But I was like, so I've got to, I'm going to be in this band. I'm not going to let this go. So I was like, I, I, I just have to figure out how to do this in a way where it doesn't hurt and how to do this in a way where I can do it for like an hour straight and I can, I don't run out of breath. And just in that journey, uh, really kind of trying to pay attention to my, my body and what it was telling me. And then the mindset of like, I have to figure this out. Uh, I, I kind of just figured out my own, my own way of doing it. Yeah. Cause it, cause you're more or less like manipulating your voice to where you're not really screaming if you're doing it right. Correct. To some no, degree. Sometimes like, like there's, there's some like, like there's just, there's, so many different ways of doing it out there. And, um, I, I know that the way that I do it is extremely loud. Like it's the loudest thing that I can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is not how the majority of the people that, that we go on tour with and, and friends of mine in, in the industry and stuff like that, when we talk and I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, 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 I don't know how to scream, not screaming the loudest I can possibly scream. So when, when I scream, it really is like, it's a, it's a scream. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just adding, it's basically adding grit to like the loudest sound I can make. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, but recently and, uh, well, in the past, like three, three, four years, um, I I've like really tried to to dial back on volume so that you know so we, so I can hold out things longer and 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 do things more precise and everything and I was talking with uh and I started messing around with some stuff on um this 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 kind of joke project that I started with uh a couple of my friends called Killtrops and the Motherships and I was like, man, I want to do some gnarly lows and stuff like that. And I was, I just got in the studio and was just trying some stuff out. And, and I was like, that sounds cool, but it feels really goofy. Like there's no way that's how people do it. Like that, cause I'm so used to, you know, giving it so much effort. Yeah. And then, um, and I kind of just put that in the back of my mind. Um, and then, uh, I was doing a light show for uh, for Fit for a King, who are um, who are our great buds. We're all from uh, Fort Worth together, and uh, we we've toured together and all that stuff. And uh, I was doing their light show, and so I was listening to their songs over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I was like, man, uh, Ryan Kirby is a is a freaking good vocalist. Like he is, he, he sounds insane. And, uh, and, and I was, just, I was just thinking about it and, and just knowing him as a friend, he's such a laid back, quiet guy. I was like, this is just sounds like a monster, like unleashed from the pits of hell. Like I've got to ask him like, and then I, so I would go to their practices. I, I went to their rehearsal to set the lights up and make sure everything was running good. And I remember sitting back and watching them in the rehearsal and he sounded perfect and like was holding things out. But, but in his body language and everything like that, I was like, he's doing that effortlessly. Like what is going on? He's not sweating. 
he's not like it doesn't even he doesn't like his face isn't even grimaced or anything. I was like, <laughs> I was like what? I was like, I'm missing something. So, uh, when they, they took a break and uh, I was like, I was like, hey, hey, come here, come here. And I took him into the restroom and he was like, what's up, man? I was like, okay, I need you to scream for me right now. No mic. Do it. What are you doing up there? I need to hear it. And he was like, um, okay. And so he did. And, and it was like, it was so low volume. And I was like, no, no, really like do it. I mean, I understand like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. But what are you doing up there? And he's like, no, that's what I'm doing. Like, that's, that's it. And then I did it. I, then I was like, so you're doing this. And I, I did, I did it for him. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how I do it. How do you do it? And I was like, um, and then I did it for him. He was like, geez, dude, like what, <laughs> what <laughs> you're using so much energy. You don't need to. And I was like, I was like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> like, I didn't have anyone to bounce this off of. Yeah. But he was like, he was like, yeah, like they, uh, they, they've been doing some really great tours lately. And he was like, yeah, I like, like touring with like, with Fr- like Franz from Attila. Uh, and then like, uh, the dude from Whitechapel, he was like, we all talk about how, like, we're just trying to, to see how low volume we can get it. <laughs> like, like the lower the volume, the better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, this, I was like, this, this is, this is like, it, it like shattered my reality. I was like, it's like, I, everything I know, is like out the window, but it definitely has a, it sounds insane, but it also is a completely different sound in when you're, you know, you're really into screaming music and you're used to hearing screaming. Like it's a different sound, like a different energy, a different everything than something like, than like how, how I do it, how like, uh, like Josh, uh, Scoggin from, uh, chariot 68, how he does it, how uh, Corey, Brandon, Norma Jean, and uh, Norm, and then uh, Spencer, like like those guys. Spencer's actually developed his a lot lately, and he's become insanely dynamic. But on like they're only chasing safety and stuff like that. Like that, that's like belting it out there, screaming. Like all the chariot stuff, that's like belting it out there, screaming. Um, and I was like, man. So I want to hold on to my style. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna still that's still what I do, but I do want to pepper in this new technique here and there and see like how I can like merge them without losing my own sound. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then on Bloody Unbowed, that was my first time to like really go for it, and that was on Destination and Burial, uh, like those lows, and then the on two ships like those lows and then all the all the backing tracked lows like in the gangs and and the doubles and stuff like that that's all me too and uh and i was nervous because i was like i think it sounds good but it still feels goofy doing it this way right and but then the you know doing it live and and hearing people's feedback everyone's like been really positive with it so it feels good it's like i kind of got a new tool in my toolbox yeah, that's rad, man. It's it's cool to get some insight on that stuff because I think maybe a casual list, casual listener that's maybe not super into this style of music doesn't realize that there is technique to doing something like that, and there are a bunch of different approaches to it. And they might just hear it as as loud screaming, you know? 
Yeah. The way, the way that I described it to someone once I was like, learning how to scream is like trying to solve a puzzle with your eyes closed. Like, like you're learning an instrument that you can't look at, you know, like, and you can't really like, it's, it's all this muscle memory and stuff. And you kind of find these things and you do it enough to where you know where this is in this imaginary space in your mind that controls this part of your body. And then when you hear someone else do it, you only have one frame of reference, one feeling that you're used to. So you automatically think like, how are they doing this with all these, with all this energy I put into it? How are they making that sound like this? And then you, the only way you get there is by trying it, failing, trying it, failing. And uh, then like talking to people because, or, or at least back, like as I've been, learning how there there was very limited resources and they were definitely like specific to a certain style or something like that of like you know information to find but ultimately it's not like okay here's the guitar here's where the chord is here's the pedal put all this on and strum and it strum it and then that is the sound it's like okay i'm just kind of like I'm kind of like doing some fry with a little bit of yell and then I'm putting a little, and then it's all this like, <laughs> like what do these words even mean? Like we're just, like, these are just feelings in your throat. Like. Right. <laughs> There's no visual for it. No, I, I dig that, uh, that explanation for it that, you know, solving a puzzle without being able to see it. I think that's, yeah. that's a great it, way to it's the explain same puzzle. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't do it for a while, you, you forget what that puzzle feels like. And you're like, Oh crap. Oh, where did this piece go? Oh, I think it was over here. You know, like, where's, wait a second. Why is, why is my voice cracking here? Like, Oh, I'm putting, I'm pushing too far in this area. I need to be focusing here. And it's just like this big mental thing that once you're in the groove, it's just on. But when you take like six years off, like we did, like those little one-off tours that we did, man, they were freaking tough. Cause I was having to like basically relearn myself. Yeah. I would. And I would imagine that's not easy to do when you're doing it night after night. Right. Well. And, and especially when you've learned that, like I do it in a very inefficient way, <laughs> <laughs> not the easiest on your, on your voice. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Well, I, I just really dig the, uh, like the contrast between you and, and Shane's clean vocal. And it seems to have, you know, complimented each other well over, over the span of this band. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and Shane's another one of those, like, like doing this with him. He's so insanely talented and he's such a good singer. And, uh, he's really like mastered his voice and his scream is insane. And it's like, when he does like lows and stuff like that, I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing there? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't know. I just do it. Like he just, that's the only answer I get out of him. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, he's like, you've done, you, you do stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, but it's always when I'm in the zone and I, and I just happens and I don't really know what I'm doing. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny process. Um, yeah, it's funny so practice for sure. His, uh, his clean vocal sometimes, especially on a song like the summit on the new record reminds me of, uh, Dustin Kenzer from thrice sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's high praise, man. Cause he's, he's one of my 
all-time favorite singers yeah that's all but, that's an all-time favorite band for me in thrice yeah. so so um yeah it's cool cool to kind of hear that sometimes come through in in shane's vocal or or something that kind of resonates for me in that same way yeah absolutely that's awesome man thank you yeah i'll um, tell him that <laughs> please do please do <laughs> um you mentioned that you guys took the break for that six years or so and maybe did some one-off tours here and there but um how important was stepping away from from it to uh to keep things going well you know i did uh hindsight since 2020 and in the moment it was like those six years it was it, it was wild man like uh F, it went from us just being in a bad place mentally and and kind of and kind of having some built up jadedness and like towards the industry, towards the scene, towards towards you know each other, towards just everything. And um, and it was just kind of one of those moments of like, hey, let's take some time off. Like we've been grinding so hard. Um, this is on a tail end of Warp Tour, and it's just like let's let's figure out like indie metal probably isn't going to be what puts our kids through college one day um <laughs> and, and we're, we're not 20 anymore we're 30 you know like yeah. like this we, we, we're we're not single living on our parents house we're we're married with house payments you know like let's figure out what the next step's going to be in that side of our lives and then figure out how we can fit the band back in because i don't I don't want to end the band but we do we we do need to figure this out and um and that's kind of how it started and uh and then we uh we all kind of took that in different ways and digested that in different ways and next thing you know years have passed and uh and it's like um start getting the itch back and everything and like hey i mean like man i miss it like i'm ready to, i'm ready to do some shows i'm ready to let's start writing again and then i remember reaching out to shane and he was in woven war um and i was like i was like dude we got to write and he was like okay okay and then i guess i i i finally like bugged him enough and then finally he was like dude i thought the band was over that's that's what i've always thought i thought when you said all that you meant it's done. And so that's where I'm at. And then for me, that was the first time like hearing that. And then I was like, I had just kept putting that on the, like in the back of my mind, like, no, no, it's not over. No, it's not over. No, it's not over. But I was acting like it was over and I was kind of directing the guys in the way that it would like, like in a way that that was, that was like, it was over. And so once I realized that, oh my God, what have I done? Like when I took the wheel and decided like, no, you know, let's, let's veer, let's veer off the course. We need to take time out. Everyone do your own thing. Like I pretty much like sunk us and that was devastating. And cause then I was faced with the, with, with, with having to accept that like my favorite part of, of, of life so far was over. And, um, 
and that was devastating. I, I collapsed on, on the, the floor in my living room. My, my wife had to come home and pick me up and was sobbing everywhere. I was like, what did I do? What did I? And, and like, so then like kind of a year passed in that space and, and, you know, Shane, Shane, and our best friends, and we still hang out, we hang out all the time and everything. And, and then just like, after like conversations upon conversations upon conversations, like we both just kind of got to that point where it was like, where it was like accepting that it was over and then being like total and utter denial. Like, no, it can't be over. Screw that. Like, I don't care what's happened. We need this. And then starting to write together again and then getting really stoked on riffs and getting stoked on, on everything. And then like getting that fire back, like, Oh my God, maybe it's not dead. Oh my God. What if, what if that wasn't it? What if we, there's still gas in the tank, you know, the car finally starts, you know, and you're like, Oh my God. Yes. And that was kind of the feeling. And so it was really cool. Like in the moment I had no idea what was going on and it was some of the deepest depression I've ever faced and everything like that. And sitting here now, it was exactly what we needed to approach putting out another album, putting out Bloody Unbowed, because we got to write that album like we first started the band, even more so than we first started the band. Because when we first started the band, we didn't even know what it was going to be. At this point, we were writing knowing that it was everything to us and knowing that we were so excited to be able to to do it again and knowing that that like and then hearing it like we thought it was the best stuff we've written too so thinking that and being like oh my god we're doing this and it's the best stuff we've done like holy crap like it was just it was exactly what we needed to have just to make bloody and bowed like our our like most special release to us today so it was it was wild man those six years it was a, a crazy ride yeah, do you think you almost were able to like tap into the energy of of a band's first record, taking that much yes. time? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it was that, but when you write your first record, there's a it's a slightly different energy because you don't know what it's going to be. Right. This one, we we had that energy, but instead it was like there are so many people out there that are going to be so excited about this. We've seen the impact that our band can have. We've seen like the impact that it has on our lives. We we know that we need this outlet. We thought this outlet was dead. It's it's here. It's sounding better than ever. Like it was just it was it was just a surreal thing. You know, I know I'll never I'll never feel that again. Like because it was just a, a perfect storm. But it definitely rolled. It's got it's it's made some momentum where. Where especially with all the feedback, I haven't heard hardly any any negative feedback whatsoever on it. And then a lot of our fans saying it was their, was their favorite album of ours. It's just like hell yeah, like it's not dead. <laughs> we, <laughs> we did it. Like all right, let's write another one. This feels good, you know. Like and and even even doing tours, we have so much of appreciate so, uh, such an appreciation for the shows again. Like we're practicing harder than we ever have. We're investing in the band more than we ever have. And cause it just meet, we know what it means to us. And so I think that's, that's really what, if I had to sum it all up the six years to now, like what all that did is it, it really showed how important 
uh, Oh Sleeper is. Yeah, man. It's a it's a killer record, and it, it's cool to hear that the fire is back and how excited y'all are to make this music again. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually what the whole album is written about is is that time and coming back with like just an un unextinguishable fire. Right on, dude. Well, we're gonna jump in right now to my my favorite song on the record off of Unblood Un Unbloodied and Unbowed. This is uh this is Fisher. This is my favorite right. jam. Yeah.
So this record is um, kind of an extension of the previous released uh, EP Titan, as far as like storyline, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. the The concept is uh, the the metaphorical concept carries over. So it's the it's the same like uh, overlaid story from Titan continuing just thirty years in the future. Oh wow! So those characters. Yeah. Um, and then you you kind of mentioned right before we got in into that song, the uh, all of the turmoil over the last six years definitely um, informed the the content on this record. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the we've always I've always tried to approach the lyrics in the in the music and the underlying kind of the underlying uh, meanings. An expression to be, um, I've kind of tailored that to, to to be honest to whatever whoever we are and whatever we are going through at the time that we wrote that album, you know. And uh, on this one, I wanted to take it a step further, and I decided to tell the story of everything that we've been going on, everything that's been going on like through the metaphor of these characters from Titan EP, like checking in on where are they now 30 years later. And, um, and so uh, there are people that like in Fissure, there's two characters who are basically um, they're, they're basically uh, they're, they've been faced with, with this, this catastrophic event and they are, in um they're kind of fighting about what to do what to do now what do we do now and um that like and there there are like words said and phrases going and back and forth and that that are that literally happens like um the the back and forth between shane and i at the very end um is uh where uh, let's see when I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, the back and forth leading into the breakdown is like, is like how I recalled a conversation, an actual conversation going with Shane once. And instead, and so I decided to write that in a way where these characters are like faced with, um, with an event that leads them into this argument. And so being able to write, to carry over the story, but also express exactly what's been going on the past six years is kind of an Easter egg for life or super fans that, that do the, do the work to dive into the lyrics and do like, like, like show up to the shows and ask questions and stuff like that. Because if you do, you get a really honest glimpse into my headspace through everything, Shane's headspace through everything. Like what, like the highs and lows of everything. And then you get to really experience what, what getting back together was for us. Do you think, uh, putting an idea like that into motion as far as having a theme for the record or a storyline helps, uh, focus the project 
a little bit, at least from a, a lyrical standpoint? Well, for me, it's what I started doing. Like, like when I said uh, a few minutes ago, um, you know, I, they picked me up. Uh, I was like recruited into the band when I was um, learning how to write scripts for movies in college. And so, so having a, it's like, what's this movie about? It's kind of, what's this book about? It's kind of what I, how I approach an album. And that helps me. And I, and I, I see the songs as chapters and that just helps me organize my headspace so much. And I'll think about, I'll think about a whole thing, like kind of a, a 10 chapter story or a 12 chapter story. And I'll have ideas of where this is going to go. And then when Shane starts sending um, riffs and stuff like that and, and, and songs that song ideas he's working on, the tones of them will match up to like, oh, this sounds triumphant. And this sounds like a, like a valiant return. I was like, oh, this has to be chapter nine, which would mean it's this song, which would mean, okay, so then the chorus would probably be this thing I was thinking about for the chorus and then and it'll just kind of start to come together like a puzzle that way and that's just that's just that's just what works for me um and now it's it's definitely it's tough whenever you have like an overarching concept of like three albums that you're like okay you're because then you're very restricted you're like what can these songs be about that would make sense for this person who's been in three albums to, to be doing, you know, like, do you find, uh, with, with creating all these characters and the storyline that it, it just seems to also add this next layer for the fans of O sleeper to, to attach to. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that was, I really learned that in, um, after son of the morning, like people just, I got to have so many cool conversations with people that had dove in to the lyrics, dove into the lyrics and, and, and kind of, and in a way like made their own ways that it all tied together. And they, and it kind of started this story and then it was cool to, to bounce what I meant in writing it off of them. And it just gave a really cool life to the, to the album for me. And, and hopefully for for them in that moment. And then that inspired me. Children of Fire I was like, man, I'm gonna do a literally like like song by song, read it like a book album. Because uh, because Son of the Morning was a concept album, but really the there was just two bookends and then a collection of stories that didn't really tie in tie into each other, or they were just they happened in that in that world basically to kind of give more color to either side but um children of fire was like song one leads into song two song two lyrically leads into song three which leads into this and they and then there's callbacks to those like throughout as you progress and then that ended up being like with the core fan base of O'Sleeper ended up being like uh really enjoyed and so i i wanted to just continue that um because I, I put an end to the concept of children of fire at the end of that of at the end of it um and so titan ep started a new concept and i wanted i knew when i started titan ep that i wanted the next couple albums to be a full concept you know song by song by song so it'd basically be like a 20 chapter book if you read it from 
Titan EP or, or whatever it was going to be whenever we started it. Because um, when we started writing Titan EP, we didn't know it was going to be an EP. We just were going to start writing. So I was like, all right, these next two albums, I want them to be a full concept. Um, to kind of just give another special thing to the to the to the core fans. Yeah, man. I think people dig that quite a bit. I mean, a band like Coheed and Cambria kind of built their entire catalog around that stuff and obviously Yeah. You know, yeah, which people, I love. Coheed. Yeah. And and bouncing off of that, um, I'm actually working on a comic book to go along with Bloody Dumbbell right now that I hope to have the first in the series, the first volume released by like December. That's very cool, man. Just another another layer to the to the tunes. Yeah, so so people can kind of see the at least the metaphor side of it. How does uh how does ideology impact or influence the the content that is being created at at this point in the band? Uh, I, it impacts it the same as it always has because I'm I still write the lyrics and the and the message and everything. But the, um, as I said before, I've always wanted to be totally honest and blunt with where the band is, um, where I am and where the band is and everything with the message. And so, and especially over some of the morning into children of fire and then, um, and on, I, I've fallen in love with writing with, with Shane um, and bouncing ideas back and forth because our our friendship and w- like ideology wise, like we're on two different ends of the spectrum. But uh, but everything else in life, like we agree on, <laughs> and, and even personality wise, we're, we're like on two ends of the spectrum. But like it's definitely an opposite to track scenario. And um, again, with the Coro Sleeper fans some of the best talks I've had are about the songs that, that he and I get to express both of our views and then, um, kind of question each other. Like kind of get to go back and forth and, and, and just be totally honest together in a conflicting viewpoint. And like I, that has, that has definitely influenced, um, the writing to have more and more of that, more and more of that, um open conversation in in our albums and uh bloody and bad has it all over the place and um to me it seems more i I like it more this way because it seems more authentic to me um like having a belief that's tested and that's continued to be tested and to also be open and to hear others and their beliefs and to find strengths in, in, in yours through that testing and everything. Um, I think it's a valuable lesson that everyone should learn and to not be afraid of, of conflicting viewpoints, you know, and, and to learn that an open dialogue insanely productive and constructive and especially being open about that to other people and allowing other people to come into it, um, can really change, can, 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 can really change, um, things for the better. So ideology, I, I, uh, that way I would say that, um, 
we're def- we're we're more we're more representative now about uh, we're not so much writing in a bubble. I'd say that. Okay. Um, but I myself am still writing from the same standpoint I always have. Um, I'm just not hogging the the <laughs> the spotlight on that. Uh, I think that's cool, man. That you kind of shed light on on both ends of the spectrum and and uh, hopefully like inform each other's perspectives as well and yeah like grow respect for each other in that and 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 respect for everybody else when you meet now when i meet other people i'm not like i don't i don't react with these kind of culturally programmed responses i'm i'm more open to conversations and to hearing people because i've learned i've 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 made a best friend that way yeah and i i don't know i think it's nice when you find people too that are maybe deeply rooted and um in their ideology but also uh they don't keep it from letting them be a free thinker yes exactly yeah like if 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 you uh start doing research and find that your your belief is flawed then wouldn't you want to know that you know like, right right you, would, or do you want to not know that and then and be afraid of that that doesn't make sense you know like if you're if you're going to commit your life to something allow it to influence all your decisions you should be totally open to it being just it staying out on the drawing board and just and being revised and worked on and perfected yeah man um well i'm super stoked on the new record man i you know along with some other folks that have given you that feedback i do think it's you know probably the well like most well put together oh sleeper record it seems to have like the most focus on it and i think just conceptually it it flows together so well and and just a, a cool balance of of songs you know having songs like ships and and the summit on there to kind of break up some of the heaviness and i just I, yeah. I really appreciate all the all the themes that are you know touched upon throughout the record of you know building a ship for the wreckage you know yeah and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and this is a really cool opportunity man to get to chat with you because um this this style of music was so important to my early 20s and uh mm-hmm. but it's also something that uh that I that has stuck with me and and I listen to so much like if I'm at the gym or on the way to hockey I'm throwing on like a Norma Jean record or like yeah. an Under Oath record and and I st- like I'm still trying to see Under Oath every time they come through town and you know God, th- things yes. like that and <laughs> and like the the O Sleeper stuff now that I'm I don't know I've had the last couple of weeks to really dive heavy into the catalog and and uh, I know that these records will uh, stick in that rotation as well so. Awesome, man. Well, I'm honored to be there. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate your your time very much. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with uh, the guest of the show saying the tagline, which is "It's a program." So if we it's get a program. Yeah, buddy, <laughs> you're already doing it. <laughs> it's a program. It's a program. Um, All right. Yeah, dude. <laughs> If it's cool with you, I was going to play it out with a, a little throwback maybe just to celebrate, you know, the near 15 years that y- y'all have been like hanging out and making music together. Oh. Yeah, let's throw it back. What are we throwing back with? I was I was going to go with Vices Like Vipers, yeah. Vices Like Vipers, okay. This you is, know, I could tell you my 
probably my favorite song off of When I'm God, if you had it. Well, I mean, that'd be pretty cool to play, too. Oh, that would be rad. I'd be, I'd be way into that. What, okay. what is your favorite song on, of, off of uh, When I Am God? I think my favorite song is... Uh, oh, hold, hold on one second. <laughs> I gotta make sure. I gotta make sure it's on that album. <laughs> <laughs> that's how. That's how long it's been. Yeah. Uh, and let me see. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's host. Hell yeah. Yeah. Host is. Uh, is actually a, a dream that I had. I've only had a few like just totally vivid dreams where I like I woke up and it changed my life forever. And I woke up, I woke up and and literally grabbed my my a pen and paper and filled out like four pages, four full pages of of dream journaling, and then wrote that song. Wrote, wrote Charlatan's host about that. Well, right on. Well, I guess we're gonna play it out with Charlatan's host then. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Um, I'll, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can, uh, you know, follow up with what's going on with the band and, and, uh, find all your records and whatnot. And, uh, it's very cool, man. You guys are the kind of the, I'm, I'm about 180 episodes deep into this thing and I haven't really touched upon the, the metalcore genre at all. So I'm kind of hoping, oh, I'm kind of hoping that this leads to chatting with more bands in this, in this genre. Cause like I said, it's definitely, uh, one that I did quite a bit and uh, has had a heavy impact on me. Yeah, man. Well, I hope it does. It's uh, it's interesting. The people I've met who do this this genre, like there, it it gets looked over a lot, but there's so much thought that goes into it and passion. And there's some great guys out there that you could get on this that I think you'd really enjoy. Right on, dude. Well, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Yeah, brother. That is the Jelly Jams. We're gonna catch. We're gonna play it out with uh, Charlatan's host off the the When I Am God record and uh, Oh Sleeper. And it's been a program. It's been a program. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Micah. Appreciate <laughs> right, thank you, man. You. Thank you. Appreciate y'all too. Take care. We will catch you on the flip side, Portland. I'm
It's been a program.